0: Manx Radio Podcasts powered by Shore.
1: Hello and welcome to the Women's Day podcast to look back at some of our favorite moments from the past 5 days. And this week we've talked about the things putting women off going for potentially life-saving smear tests. We've got crafty with the Manx Craft Guild, creative with chocolate, and Joe spent a day with the police. No, not the band. But first, let's hear from the amazing singer-songwriter Christine Collister, who really ended our week in style on Friday.
0: These men that I've been seeing, baby, put their soul upon the shelf. You know they could never love me when they can't even love themselves, but I need someone who Someone to really understand, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who won't put himself above me? Who just love me like a man? They all want me to rock them like my back ain't got no bones. I want a man who rocked me like my backbone was his own. I want a man to hold me, not some fool to ask me why And I need someone to love me I know you can I know you can Don't you put yourself above me And just love me like yourself for me and just love me like a man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you put yourself up for me and just love me like a man.
1: You start off in this industry, which is notoriously difficult, Christine, yeah. have you reached where you
2: wanted to get to? No, no, I'm, no, I think uh, you just keep going. Um, I don't even know, I don't, I don't really know where I want to get to other than I want to keep improving um, and I want to reach more and more people. Um, so, and you could always say that, <laughs> I mean, you could keep, keep that going for a long time. I know I'm not going to retire um, because why would I stop doing what I love? Um, so, I'm very, very lucky to um, have have a talent that I recognise and I work at, and um, has I've managed to circumnavigate the planet several times just because I can sing, which is really amazing. We had
3: um, on recently. We had an interview with them before they went off doing the same thing, going yeah. around the world doing their doing their music. And uh, I was asking them about Lorient and the experience of Lorient, which I think is just spectacular and you, you were actually um an artist that went out to laurent as well weren't you and you had quite an experience out there
2: yeah i was um i i was it for the the year i went i don't think they had very many other people uh, they had a, a a manx artist um and myself and that was it uh, but it was uh, the isle of man's turn the year i went it was their 35th year i don't know where they're at right now um and i got to sing the opening song every night at the nuit de magique uh in the local football stadium and i, I sang gee um so i just went out on stage uh with a s and the spotlight came on and and i uh, i had a handheld mic uh and i sang gee a cappella and it was fantastic i just loved it and then i had to turn around and come off really quickly cuz behind me were 50 men in kilts playing bagpipes uh <laughs> but it was just it was such a it was such a great honor uh, i learnt I learned the Manx Gaelic song especially for the um f- for that festival and I still sing it today. Do you ever get nervous uh I used to when I was a teenager I used to get really really nervous um but now no not not so much I mean there every now and then you get anxious and there's no reason whatsoever it's just your heart flutters a little bit and you think what the hell Uh, but no not really
1: what about the pressures of being in an industry where image is incredibly important how have you developed dealt with that sort of side of things
2: I'm not entirely sure I have um yeah it's really hard isn't it because I'm I'm not a Barbie girl (laughs) I'm I'm not obviously uh or classically you know tall leggy bloody bloody blah I, I'm I, I but I, I I try to present myself really well um I'm I, I worked in the folk world even though I don't really sing folk songs as such um and I always uh, made an effort so I always wore makeup and I always put on at least a clean t-shirt uh no standards. I like yeah no yeah that's standards yeah I'd wear high heels and I would you know make an effort um whereas a lot of people then certainly in the in the acoustic world would put on a sloppy jumper and have a beer tanker. That, re- that really did happen, men, women, whatever. Um, so I, I did make an effort, but I, I'm not a Lady Gaga type fan. That's anymore. interesting. What do you make then of
1: modern music and modern artists?
2: I think they work really, really hard.
1: Some of them can't sing, Christine. I'm just um, saying.
2: I don't. Uh, well, I, I ignore bad those that, <laughs> But like somebody like Beyonce, for instance. Mm. I know people who think she's awful or crap or whatever. And I just think, have you seen how she works? She works something, definitely. But she's amazing. She's amazing. She really, really is. Um, and that takes, that takes a lot. To, to keep keep her standards uh, that high, whether you like what she does or not, I I certainly appreciate the effort she puts in. Who do you think can't sing then? Oh, that's Back not Bethard. fair! Come no. on, come on, just give me someone. <laughs> no, nope, they're not going to be listening. No, 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 no. I I wouldn't dare. Too professional. I well, what dare. do you
1: make of, of the shows like X Factor, The Voice, etc., like that, trying to propel these people who have obviously got a, a bit of a talent, but trying to propel them into stardom?
2: I don't actually. Um, When I was a kid, it was Huey Huey Green and It's a Knockout and then New Faces. So there's always been talent shows. It's just that now, as Christy pointed out, nowadays you've got Twitter and Facebook and and you can access people 24-7. So these programmes now have a huge reach. Um, But very few people become superstars or sustain a career. You say you want to reach out to more people. Would you ever be tempted? What, to do that? Um... Well, it was very funny. Last year, we were in Los Angeles. I just thought I'd say that. And a friend said to me, Christine, you should do uh, The Voice and then proceeded to say what a crap programme it was. So I'm just thinking, <laughs> I don't know what they're thinking. I'm really confused. <laughs>
1: Now, almost 3.7 million women in the UK are apparently putting themselves at risk of life-threatening cervical cancer because they're not going for smear tests. This research has been carried out by the charity Joe's Cervical Cancer Trust, and we're joined live in the studio this afternoon by practice nurse Jane Wood and the lead nurse for the Stay Well Clinic on the island, Ellen Kane. Uh, Ellen, first of all, have you got any idea about the uptake for smear tests over here?
4: Yes, we're actually slightly higher than the UK. Um... It's about 80% over here now, So, uh, but of course that's not good enough. We should be 100% really.
1: And who is called for a smear test?
4: Mm. Um, Every lady from the age of 25 um, up to the age of 49. um, Sorry, 49 is called every three years and then if ladies from the age of 50 up to 65 are called every five years.
1: Now we had an interesting uh, message in from Pam who said that she had regular smear tests for many years until around four to five years ago, at which the time the practice nurse was unable to do the test because after a number of attempts it was simply too painful for her and she'd never experienced that before. She was then told that because of her age, age early to mid 60, she did not need to worry about having another smear test. Uh, Pam says she was surprised but because she'd had such discomfort she hasn't had one since. But having had a a chat with some friends there was hopefully she says an exaggerated rumour that the medical profession took the view that wait for it, women over the age of 60 were not considered to be sexually active and therefore didn't have to worry about it.
4: No, that's not true. In fact, um, any woman is on the the recall system until they're 65, but that doesn't mean to say they can't have a smear even after that age. If they're worried or you know, they, they still want to have a, a smear, they can They can go to one of the GP surgeries or to stay well and have the smear.
1: And is it only if you ever have been or are sexually active that you need to have one?
4: No, we say any lady should, should have a smear um, because... Although, obviously, most smears are caused by a human papillomavirus, which is caused by being sexually active, um, there are a very few rare um, cancers that can be caused, even though
1: you haven't been sexually active. Jane, can you talk us through the procedure, if anybody hasn't ever been for a smear test, what can they expect to happen?
5: It's only going to take 10, 10 minutes, 15 minutes at the most. You can go into GP surgery and and have it done. Um, I always say it's a good idea to wear a skirt because then you only just need to take off your nicks. We just put a little speculum inside you and look for your cervix. Um, We use um, a brush to sample some cells and then those cells are put into um, a medium and that goes off to the lab you're likely to get that result within four weeks of doing the sample um, and you, I think we must remember that it's not a diagnostic test and we're not looking for cancer, we're looking for changes in the cells of the cervix.
1: So if you got a letter back saying that some changes had been found, it's not immediate, uh-huh. you, d- you don't have to be fearful that it is going to be cancer. No,
5: because... Very often, we'll just wait and see. We may do another smear in six months. Or you may be offered um, to go to the hospital and for them to have a little look at your cervix and um, they may do some treatment. And Ellen,
1: we were talking, or um, well Christy was mentioning about being extremely anxious for going for one and, and you were saying the best thing to do in that situation is maybe to go and have a chat first and talk about maybe the options that are available to, to help you relax or deal with whatever situation there may be.
4: Yes, usually there's some kind of underlying worry that a lady will have and uh, chatting about it with um, one of the nurses or the doctors will um, hopefully alleviate that and um, we're quite used to dealing with uh, people that have general worries about having spears and sometimes it is actually um, waiting
1: for the result which is the worry
4: and uh, we can talk through that as well. So.
1: We had a text in say, with regard to going for a smear test, the Stay Well Clinic is good, but having a disability is awkward and it's not comfortable when you can't use your legs at all. I think some nurses have to be trained with all disabilities in this area, plus there's mental health to take into consideration as well. Mm. Um, what sort of training do nurses have to deal with these sort of situations?
4: Um, we have mental health nurses within the Stay Well um, team, um, but um, we would always have two um nurses or a doctor and a nurse there anyway um and obviously um if they have a carer they can come in as well that's that's fine um but um we would go out you know to people's homes we've done that before we've been um, into um hospital situations to do at nursing homes um so we we try and do everything we possibly can actually to to allow the lady to have the smear
1: I um, had a, an interesting message in saying that anything to do with your bits is still the last taboo. Um, this is from a man and he says it's like prostate, prostate examinations for men. People are uneasy talking about them. They find it uncomfortable to mem- uh, mention body parts mostly because they connect with sex or the toilet and we're still embarrassed about it and get around by laughing or getting the giggles. Very rudely said, as Beth can usually demonstrate, I think I've been <laughs> exemplary this afternoon. Um, but uh, he's got an interesting story related to uh, what we were talking about earlier. Uh, when he went for a prostate test, his doctor was just about to carry it out when there was a knock on the door and someone came in with his afternoon tea and chocolate biscuits he carried <gasps> on regardless and still enjoyed them, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, very God. nice. Well three years ago a few friends decided that given the extent of creative talent here on the Isle of Man it was time to do something to promote crafters and so the Manx Craft Guild was born. Now that has now grown from a group that just organised craft fairs to become a shop that from February the 1st next week is going to be open seven days and we're joined this afternoon by two of the members Christine Housen and Leslie Dutchburn Thank you both so much for being here. First of all, uh, Chris, just tell me how this all started. I mean, you talk about the wealth of creative talent over here, but why did you feel that something needed to be done to, to exploit that?
6: It's something that I've felt for many years because um, local talent, local creative talent um, and crafts are very important to me. Um, anything that is handcrafted is made with a lot of love. Uh, it's important to keep that alive. Um, a few friends and myself um, were thought the same. We had the same idea. So in actual fact, we were sat around a table in a pub <laughs> <laughs> and the Manx Craft Guild was, was born. Um, and that was January uh, 2012, 2012, yes, a two years ago, yeah. 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 Um, and we've been going uh, at great strength ever since. We're now uh, a group of approximately 55 to 60 members. Um, We are invited to some of the larger events, like the agricultural shows, Island at War, um, things like that. Um, And it saves people having to watch
7: for uh, booking forms, etc. We do all that for them. Well, Leslie, how did you get involved in this? Okay. Um, I actually saw it in the paper, um, and it was just before the agricultural show, the Royal Show, um, three years ago, um, and I thought it was something I'd like to get involved in. I'd always done crafts. um, I'd sold little bits and pieces to friends, but never actually gone into it in any sort of commercial way. Um, So I went along to one of their meetings, um, and the first show I did was the Royal Show, uh, which was two really scary days, uh, but that went down really well. Um, And I just went into it full on from there, really.
1: And Leslie, you are, by your own um, description, a (laughs) multi-crafter.
7: That's right. What does that mean? Okay, that means I've always done crafts since I was very little. Um, And I love lots of different crafts. Uh, I've always done knitting and crochet. I've done sewing. Um, I'm not a very good artist, um, but I like anything that I can make. So about five years ago, I got involved in jewellery, and I've been making predominantly wirework work jewellery ever since then.
1: And this is a question to both of you, I guess. I mean, some people just say, you know what, I'm not a very creative person. And I would certainly put myself in that category. Do you think that anybody has got the potential to be good at something to do with craft? Absolutely. Yes. We,
6: we all have creativity um, within us. It's just drawing it out. Um, to be honest the biggest one is confidence okay Mm, exactly well
1: you are planning to draw something out of us today okay Um, you're going to set (laughs) us a little crafty challenge
7: which we're going to try and complete before the end of the show Mm -hmm. Uh, Leslie tell us what we're going to be doing okay well as I said I'm into wire work Um, so I've got two pieces of equipment with me today Um, and we're going to aim to make a bracelet within the next hour Uh, we're going to do something called Viking weave uh, which is an old Celtic Uh, tradition going back years um, but on a a fancy modern tool that's come from the States Um, and we're going to do something called gizmo coiling which is ways of making little tubes of coiled wire look like little little springs and you can then make those into components for jewelry. Simple. Yeah, easy. Brilliant. Easy. Um, I have seen some of the the things that you've created, because you do a lot of things for for
1: bridal work, yes. um, Leslie, and it's so intricate and just looks so beautiful. I mean, are you
7: sure you want to let us loose on this? Yeah, there's nothing much that can go wrong. We can always undo anything that uh, doesn't look quite right. You're saying a bracelet. I'm kind yes. of thinking I might just do a ring. <laughs> <laughs> to be quite honest, bracelets are easier than rings. Oh, I'll do a bracelet then. What about a necklace then? Does that make it even easier? Yeah, that's not, they're not oh, bad. Well, okay. maybe... Yeah. Not, Not very
1: comfortable, a wire
7: necklace. Oh, it has been done. Oh,
1: oh, yes. I'm just kind of imagining, you know you see these things on Pinterest, you know you have the perfect picture and then somebody's done something, nailed it. <laughs> I'm kind of imagining that's <laughs> what it's going to look like this afternoon. But um, Leslie and Chris, thank you so much for being here. Um, we will get started on the challenge in just a moment. You're listening to Women Today on...
0: Once upon a time, there were three little kittens. And
1: their names were... Moppet Tom Kitten And Mittens And Mittens Who's your favourite character? Er, uh, Tom. Do you like Tom Kitten? Is he yeah. naughty? Yeah What does he do Holly? That is his mother He scratches his mother And what do they do with their clothes? they in the duck's pond. In the duck pond, because the ducks get them, don't they? Yeah. And where do they go? They have to go upstairs, don't they? Yeah. And are they quiet in their bedroom?
5: <laughs> no, they are in her bedroom!
1: In her bedroom? They're so naughty.
5: Yeah. What a funny sight is to see a brood of ducklings with a hen. Yes to the story of Gemma because the farmer's wife would not yet her hatch her own eggs.
8: When I decided I'd had enough of the television reporting was partly because it was changing so much with 24-hour news and with a, a very different approach to actual reporting. So much so that my sort of job doesn't exist anymore.
2: You've written a lot about women in war, you're known as sort of a leading female journalist. Is the fact that you're a woman is it that significant? When I was
8: coming into the business, there were I was reporting on, for example, you know, the first woman chief constable or assistant chief constable. First of all, the first woman, um, perhaps uh, on the court of appeal in in law, the first woman who had ever, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, I'm so old; I go back that far. You see, to when women were still breaking down barriers, which we we probably forgotten about to a a great extent so I didn't see myself you know in a a role play in that way all sorts of women were doing it at the time.
2: I suppose it shows the progress that women have made then the fact that it didn't really occur to you.
8: Uh, It did because a huge number of people were extremely rude offhand or frankly uh, felt um, uh, aggrieved if a woman was sent to report them to, to, to interview them. Uh, I Time and again, people stared at me and, and then at the cameraman and the sound man and they said, where's the reporter? That happened a number of times. People were just dismissive of you. You were a girl. But uh, th- as I said, I wasn't in the only professional job where this happened. Mm-hmm. Happened all over the place.
1: Women Today, brought to you by Citywing.com for your next flight away.
2: My name is Louise Kenyuk and I work for the Southern Police Stand in Castletown.
9: Right, I've come in this morning to have a little look of a day in the life of PC Lou. Um, tell me, what have you got in store for
3: me?
2: Today is going to be chaos and carnage, potentially. Um, I've got 50 children from Port St Mary High School, sorry, Port St Mary Primary School, and they're coming to learn about baddies
7: and goodies.
9: We're now just walking down into the cell with all the children and they're rather excited, to say the least.
5: It's really cold. It's plain and horrible and boring. I bet nobody would want to be in here. And there's a little spy hole through there and when you shut the door there's a little thing and, and I wonder how they get in their food. Exactly, so what type of
9: food do you think that they're getting here?
5: Must-up peas. Horrible must-up. Red.
9: Mutton. Red. Porridge.
5: Burnt chicken.
0: I don't
9: know. Mutton. Oh, yeah, it doesn't sound like I'd want to be in here.
5: No.
9: Guys, what about maybe actually being in the police force? Would you like
3: to do it as yeah. a job?
5: Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. maybe. Maybe. Definitely. Maybe. Why? Well, you got, like, weapons and you can chase people down. Um, why
9: would you like to be in the police force?
8: I think I would like to be in it because it would be fun, you would get to do loads of cool stuff and you, um, it, it would be quite a fun job and also quite a scary job. So at some parts you would think, oh this is quite fun at some parts you would think, ah. And what about working in the night? Oh that would be very hard because you would be really sleepy and you might be half asleep and you might be scared that the prisoners might break out because some prisoners are really really strong.
9: Right, I think it's my turn. I think that I have to feel what it's like to be locked in a cell. I've not been very well behaved, have I?
2: No, you haven't. I think it's time for you to see exactly what it's like.
9: Right, okay, I'm gonna get locked away now. Are you ready for it, kids?
2: Oh, don't leave me, don't leave me.
1: Oh, it's not good. And Can you hear the children even find it funny? Oh, it's just not nice. Let
9: me out of here, quick, quick. Horrible.
1: Finding out about a new company on the island. It's called Total <coughs> Wellbeing from Bump to Birth and Beyond, and its founder is Rachel Kameen. And Rachel, you're a personal trainer specialising in women's health and fitness. And you were talking earlier about your own personal experience yes. with your pregnancies yeah. um, and specifically looking at things like pelvic floor, yes. which we'll get onto yep. in just a moment. I think it's fair to say, isn't it, that once you announce pregnancy, you are bombarded oh. with advice and guidance from professionals, from parents, from friends, from books about what you should and shouldn't be doing. Whatever happened to just getting on with it? I
9: know. I know. It's just so much information out there. It's so overwhelming for these mums, especially if it's their first uh, everybody's just wants to be in there and giving you all their tips and advice and, and which is it's lovely on one and one way they just care about you and the concerns but yes it's very very hard especially in that last trimester I think when you are preparing for your birth and um, you're just bombarded with all these horror stories that everybody just wants to tell you. So I kind of just have to let my ladies and just tell them that you know, just try and just just tell them that you don't you don't want to hear them. You want to just try and keep as positive as you can. And and uh, yeah, so it is a hard time. Pregnancy and definitely postnatal as well. There's so much information out there with regards to uh, how to get back to to what you used to be. Yeah, so it's a hard time for. For women, I think, yeah. So when you are pregnant,
1: I mean, how important is it that you you think about exercise at all? Because I'll be honest, um, it was possibly one of the last things on my mind.
9: Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's absolutely fine. But I think most, lots of people nowadays are trying to keep themselves fit and healthy. And one of the reasons why I uh, brought this to the island was because I didn't think there was anything out there for the ladies who were going to classes, were going to the gym. And then they found out they were pregnant and they did still want to keep fit. And there were a lot of them thinking, well, what can I do? What's safe for me? What's safe for my baby? Um, I want to learn a bit more about everyone. As soon as you find out you're pregnant, you've got to work your pelvic floor. You've got to work your pelvic floor. It's one of those first things that anybody ever says to you. So, again, we go through that. We go through strengthening your core. um, And not only strengthening, but relaxing as well. It's really important to relax, not just strengthen. Um, Yeah, so um, that's why I, I launched it, really. And the response has been fantastic. So, yeah.
1: I have to say, one of the things that worries me slightly is that maybe pregnant women going into in, this thinking, oh, it's about how I'm going to lose weight after the birth.
9: Yeah, yeah that's that's what most, most, most of people like to um, keep fit during pregnancy and to not and put as much weight on and that's great then you know they keep it's better to to try and not put too much weight on as possible and just put on the baby weight and the water and everything else comes with the pregnancy but um, my goal isn't for to help this person to lose that weight straight away Um, I've got a very holistic approach and we heal the body from the inside out with nutritious food with relaxation with self-care and um, your body will naturally go back to, ha- to how it wants to. It might necessarily not go back to how it was before you had children, but it'll go to where it's most comfortable. And if you are exercising in the right way, if you are giving that, your body the nutrients that it needs, the vitamins, the minerals, the hydration, the rest, huge, relaxation, um, self-care, you know, a bit of just you, you know, just mm. to go to have your nails done, have your hair done, or just go for a walk, you know, that mentally as well. It's not just about physically how you look it's mentally it's emotionally you're going to be so sleep deprived Um, and yeah it can really take an effect on your on you mentally so where i'm just wondering of that as well where the
1: hours are in the day to to implement all of this because absolutely what you're saying makes
9: complete
1: sense but really I think this, many yeah. people find that those oh, early yeah, days definitely. are just getting they through They just it. go,
9: yeah, and um, this is why I really try and help my women when they're pregnant, and it's all about trying to get your web of support in order, and when they're pregnant, they've got more space to take this information in and prepare for what's going to happen. I really try and prepare them and just try and... Um, tell them that, yeah, it is going to be tough and you're going to have days where you do just stay in your pyjamas all day and that's acceptable. There, you and heard uh... it here, you see. <laughs> I knew I was right. Yeah. And I used to have days when I'd be sat on the couch and my partner would come home from work and he'd be like, what have you done all day? And oh. I'm like, I've just been sat here feeding your child all day. And so it's absolutely acceptable to do that. Don't feel like you have to be back to how you were six to eight weeks. After, you know, you've just had a baby. So, yeah, I'm there to support them. And yeah, last trimester, I try and give them this information so then yet yeah, they can they can prepare for it. Yeah
3: speaking of the having had the baby then yeah. how so what do, do, can the mums then bring the child with them to these classes because presumably like you said once you've had the child that's it you know you kind of fully yeah. I
9: have baby so yes. they can bring yeah. them with them so I do a mummy a mummy movement class so again it's outside so you're getting that fresh air come rain or shine wrap up and the baby can be in the pram and uh, we do some exercises that are right for the mum at their time and recovery and there's something for everybody so if you have just had your six to eight check six to eight week check up and you've had them all clear there's safe exercises for you to do to heal your core Mm -hmm. and and your pelvic floor and then I've got people who come who are have got who are eight or nine months postpartum who are much stronger and then they have different exercises to do so it's all tailored to where you are in your recovery
1: let's talk about some of the specific problems that some women do experience yep. after birth and, and talking about the core first of all and this is something that happened to me is yes. that my stomach muscles yes. completely yep. split yep. um yeah. what can you do about that sorry Christine. yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, so when yeah, i know
9: sorry. <laughs> so when you're pregnant yes your rectus abdominis which is six-pack muscle has this line of collagen that runs down the middle the linear elbow and yeah it does stretch it has to stretch to accommodate your growing baby but usually mother nature's brilliant and within eight to ten weeks it's usually come back together yes it's going to be weak but we can we can work that and make it stronger but for some ladies um it doesn't and you're left with a gap and that just if we don't heal that it can just affect everything really it can really affect your pelvic floor it can affect your the load that you're carrying you need to be able to heal this this diastasis this rectus abdominis. Uh, muscle, and there are ways to do it, and it can be really simple. And um, simple exercises, core and pelvic floor exercises, very much about breathing, posture, and alignment. I take a real holistic, global. Look, and it is not just the core. There's a lot of other things that are going on. Lots of stuck, uh, stuck tissue that we might have to release that's holding you in. No, 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 no. It's I know, Sarah's sounds, pulling it's, a <laughs> face, I think. <laughs> it sounds worse than it is. But no, it's it's just a few simple steps. Um, and I do offer a program for women who want to it just one-on-one with me over a six-week period. And I will help them get stronger uh, through their core and their pelvic floor. And then it means that they can move on. To uh other exercises once we've healed. And is there the a point core? where
1: it's it's too late to have done that? I mean no, do you have no, to do it's this? Never
9: ever ever too late. No, no, never okay. too late. I would prefer to work with women as soon as I could really to help. Yeah. Eight minutes to three now. I've been talking about your favourite
1: childhood books. Um The Midnight Folk and its sequel, A Box of Delights, um, says Howard, both magical. Uh, the Moomin series of books. Oh. oh do you know I don't remember reading the Moomins actually, but I did watch them on television. Yeah,
3: I watched them, but funnily enough, over Christmas they brought out the very first a Moomin book again. It's been re released, and my housemate's a massive Moomin fan, and she bought it and has read it about three times oh. already. Mama Moomin. Oh. Uh, green Eggs and Ham, which I do not like. Sam, I am. Dr. Zeus. Dr. Zeus has great quotes. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you one now because it's fab. Today you are
1: you, that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. <laughs> Isn't that yeah. nice? Brilliant. Buttons and Mac by Ursula Horhane. Don't know. No, haven't heard that one. Uh, the Water Baby, says Peter. That's uh, his favourite childhood book. Um, and Pete says, I read Manx Mouse to my son when he was about eight. He's now nearly 33. I don't know who enjoyed it more, me reading it to him or him having it read to him. Aww. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in. We've got time for a few more maybe before the end of the show. Um, after three o'clock, Alex in the afternoon. Hello. We have been decorating chocolate hearts here. We're doing it for the Children's Centre. How thrilled they have been uh, for us to be involved. Um, <laughs> so we've all had a go. You have them there in front mm. of you. And you have to choose which one you think is the best. Oh, no. And can I just point out at this point that you can have mine when I'm finished with the show oh, today. Oh. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Bri-
8: bribery. Oh, oh um, well, in third place. Uh, Joe, obviously. Oh. I mean, look, at the, look at the state of that Joe. I mean, there's no <laughs> effort simple. at all.
1: It's simple. Yes, Joe. Come on, no pressure.
9: Uh, no pressure, Beth. Between you and me, no, no pressure.
8: Beth oh. is a mess. I know, but she's my best mate. <laughs> <laughs>
9: Christie's new, so we need to keep her. <sighs>
8: okay, let's hurry this along. Come I don't
1: on. want no sympathy vote. <laughs> Well, in that case, it's concluded. Brilliant. I win. Um,
8: no, no, I have to say, in fairness, Christy has got a better design. Right, thanks very yes! much, Alex.
1: You'll be back tomorrow, will you? Great, can't wait. Because. I was going to give you my chocolate heart and now I'm not.
9: Oh, I'm certainly not. <laughs> and I'm not making you any more cups of tea either, Alex Brindley.
1: It's okay, Christy
3: makes me more than you do. Is that why I won? There you go. <laughs> there, there you here. go. Hey. That's it. Oh, I think i I managed to offend all cho- three of you this afternoon. My chocolate that, heart's got less calories on it too because I haven't got enough icing on it. Oh, that works for January.
1: Less is more. Nice try, Joe. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. And if you'd like to take part in any of our discussions, do join us every weekday just after two o'clock. You can always text into the studio. You can follow us on the Women Today Facebook page or on Twitter. It's at MLWomenToday. And if you've missed any of the shows and you'd like to catch up, you can do that on demand at manxradio.com. Until next time, goodbye.
5: Tons and conditions apply.